Welcome to Strange Sound. This is episode 28 of Strange Sound. I'm Joe. Glad to have you with us, or glad to have you with me once again. (laughs) It's just me, Joe. Glad to be back. Wasn't sure I was going to do a show this week. A few things coming up. No no big deal, but um, I'm a little late to the table this week. So glad to be here uh, in these very strange times where closing in on 200,000 COVID deaths. Um, Still no one being held accountable. I must say it's it's a pretty disgusting situation. Um, I notice our fearless leader is holding um, rallies indoors in places like Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, No uh, facial covering for most of the people there except for the coterie of people behind him that will be on the cameras for the most part just to show that some people are in compliance but when the cameras pan across the crowd you're seeing a lot of people without masks on and just sort of hooting and hollering and cheering on their fearless leader uh yeah that's problematic it seems to be um but that's the way they roll and that's the way they're going to roll apparently this is the way it's going to go he's going to have indoor rallies he's going to do things the way he's always done. He's going to do what he does. He's never going to change. So it's a question of what we're going to do about it. And uh, that's that's an open question, right? Um, This is the place where I would mention the show's sponsors. The show doesn't have any sponsors, so I'll just mention me. This show is brought to you by me, Joe. Strange Sound is brought to you by absolutely nobody. Um, (laughs) This is, uh, once again, these are meditations of my own. Um, These are my own opinions. They represent no one else. Glad to offer them. Glad to discuss them with anyone else who wants to participate in a conversation. Um, I haven't gotten any feedback, so I'm assuming if people are listening to this, and I think some people are listening, um, that they have nothing to say about anything I have to say, that they're in total agreement with me on every single point. Either that, or they're shy, or they just don't give a damn, or something else. It's one of those four things. Um, if you are so inclined, if you want to push back on anything that I say on on today's show or any show that you listen to, and there have been 28 of these as of this posting, um, please feel free to drop by our site, anchor.fm slash strange sound. And you can leave a one minute voicemail. You can follow the links to our social media properties and uh, tweet at me or, you know, I am me on uh, Facebook or whatever. Um, There's a bunch of different ways to get a hold of me. So, would be glad to hear from you. Um, if you do leave a comment, I'll be happy to either respond to it on air or play it on air, depending 
on the nature of the commentary. We like to keep things a little clean here. I'm just saying. We have young ears, tender ears out there. Um, I should mention in passing, I wasn't really going to talk about this so much today, but um, I should mention in passing that there's been a situation here in my hometown uh, of Utica, New York, upstate New York, uh, whereby uh, the police, apparently an officer, um, kicked a, a um, suspect in the head a couple of times as they were putting him into a transport van. Um, this was caught on body cam. And it was played back at a press conference um, held by the police a few days later. They've more or less, you know, they've owned up to it to a certain extent. They've put the uh, officer on suspension without pay for 30 days, which according to their collective bargaining agreement is the, is the greatest sanction that they can apply to him at this point. And they are seeking his dismissal, his removal, and they are um they have notified the district attorney to consider charges uh against the officer um The officer was a transport officer, apparently not a not a member of the original arresting team. This is all from the police by the way um I did see the body cam footage of this incident. they did play it at the uh press conference. And uh, it really begins where they have the um, they have the suspect in custody. Um, he is alleged to have brandished a weapon in some dispute, a domestic dispute, I think, with his girlfriend and with or with a woman that he was associated with in some way, and uh, another man. Um, and. Apparently, the police were either called or they came. I don't remember the details. Um, uh, he fled, dropped the weapon, supposedly. They recovered the weapon. This is, again, this is the police account. I don't know whether there's another story here. Um, I haven't heard it. I haven't seen it reported. Um, and the body cam footage is is a little rough, and it's... Obviously, someone who does not want to be in custody. <laughs> so this this fellow is agitated and not happy to be in the custody of the police. Um, and they are trying to quiet him down. And they put him in the back of a cruiser. And they decide that they wanted to call a uh, transport van to carry him to the station. And they did so. And then they pulled him out of the back of the car. And he was... He was um, I don't think physically resisting so much as just verbally resisting, um, calling them every name in the book. Um, and that's, you know, I'm not, not surprisingly, he was pretty agitated. He was an African-American gentleman and he was in the hands of a bunch of white cops and probably not real happy to be there. Um, they stuffed him into the back of this transport van and the, the, um, body cam footage the body cam being uh, worn by one of the officers who wasn't one of the transport officers, who was one of the original arresting officers, um, as seen from the from the back of this van, you can see 
um, you can see this um, transport officer's foot, you know, stomping this guy's head, maybe missing once or twice, but stomping him three or four times. Um, this is this was pointed out in detail by the police. Um, the police chief was at the press conference along along with the mayor of Utica um, and some of the other um, white guys who run <laughs> public safety in in uh, Utica. It was basically a bunch of white guys. <laughs> um, but you know they were contrite. Uh, they were I think they were trying to limit the the damage, but they were. They were also saying, you know, we have no tolerance for this sort of behavior on part of our officers and all that. And they were trying to say the right things, I think. Um, and, yeah, so the public reaction to this, I think, is has been mixed. But there was plans to have a demonstration over this past weekend. Uh, I am recording this on Monday. Uh, the I believe today is the 14th. And there were plans to have a demonstration whereby the demonstrators would march to the police station and, and hold a, a small rally in front of the police station. I, I'm not sure if the intent was to make it small. It ended up being kind of small. But it was being organized by, I believe, a group called the Utica abolitionists. Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I've, I'm not familiar with the group. I I've checked them out on Facebook and, and, uh, looked at some of their posts. So I think it's a recently established group. Um, connected to this, however, as they had planned this rally, there was apparently a, an ad placed on Craigslist that encouraged people to come to Utica to um, cause some kind of mayhem, you know, in conjunction with this rally. So there was an offer of money to be paid um, to to people to come to the city of Utica and cause mayhem during this um, march in the city of Utica. Um, and and mind you, this march is probably probably would have been from either Oneida Square or somewhere in the Cornhill area of, of of Utica to the police station, which is way downtown on uh, what's called Oriskany Boulevard in, in Utica, which is actually Route 5S, I believe. Um, and <laughs> whatever you do, don't follow my directions on how to get any place in Utica because that's probably got the route numbers wrong. But it's it's kind of the main... Um, the main east-west drag in Utica that sort of crosses um, the the main north-south drag, which is Genesee Street in Utica. There's one big intersection. And the police station is across from what we call the Odd in Utica. It's a large venue where there are hockey games and um, concerts and, and uh commencement ceremonies and things like that um right across the street is the police station and that's so this entire demonstration was going to be a march probably from oneida square to the police station which is a which is a distance of probably 10 blocks in the city and 
um, that that was about it. Now there were these random placed Craigslist ads um, about you know trying to um, <laughs> purportedly trying to get people to come to Utica to either torch the place or you know cause otherwise cause mayhem. Um, offering to pay them, I don't know. I it looked to me like I didn't see the ad because it was taken down, but um, from the screen grabs that they showed on the media, it looked to be like five bucks or something like that. They were going to pay people five bucks to come to Utica. Um, this is probably posted by some right winger who's trying to stir the pot. Don't really know. Doesn't sound like something you know the left would do. But anyway. I don't know who posted the ad. The ad was taken down. Now, the more interesting part of this is that is the reaction to the ad was it it actually reverberated beyond the boundaries of Utica itself. So Utica is a small city, and it has uh, several um, fair-sized suburbs, which is basically where the people with, with money live. Uh, one of those suburbs is called New Hartford, New York. And uh, that's in fact where I grew up. Um, that is in fact the hometown of Claudia Tenney. I, I think I've mentioned this before on the podcast. Um, New Hartford, New York is probably the wealthiest um, peripheral suburb of Utica. And there's a large shopping center there that's been there since probably the 1960s. And um, people in New Hartford were really, apparently really got worried about this. Uh, I think it's probably a function of the fact that people spend way too much time on the internet um, <laughs> and, and looking at stuff. And they, they, were, they were aware of what had happened in Rochester in recent weeks in, in, in response to the Prude killing. And they were... They, they got worried. So I began seeing, I think it was on Friday, I began seeing posts on Facebook that people were boarding up the storefronts in the New Hartford Shopping Center in anticipation of this influx of, you know, rioters from uh, Black Lives Matter or Antifa or whatever. Um, and, and there were... A number of posts about this. Now, our our council um, member in my area of Utica, uh, who's a progressive, uh, very nice person, very smart person, um, actually tried to tried her best to dispel these rumors. Also, Devlin Moody, who's the uh, who's the council member from um, uh, more in the Cornhill area of of Utica, which is where predominantly people of color live there. Um, Devlin uh, was doing his best to tell people that yeah, this is nothing to worry about, that this wasn't really, <laughs> this was going to be a peaceful protest and, you know, not, not to worry. Um, our council member went so far as to drive it up and down Genesee Street, which, as I said, is the sort of the main drag in Utica, and show that there weren't, that there were stores that weren't boarded up. Um, naturally, there are some stores in Utica that are boarded up anyway, <laughs> so it's a little, it's a little deceptive. But nothing, 
as far as she could see, had been boarded up in Utica, which is where the demonstration was going to take place. Um, the demonstration, again, as I said, was going to go from uh, this square in Utica, um, downtown Utica, called the United Square, I believe, down to the police station, um, which is in the opposite direction of where the the suburb of New Hartford is. New Hartford is south of Utica, and um, it's quite a ways from where this demonstration was supposed to be taking place. Um, however, what, what got boarded up in anticipation of this fictitious riot were stores in the New Hartford Shopping Center, even though there was absolutely no indication that there was going to be anything like a demonstration in the town of New Hartford related to this um, police incident of about a week ago. And <laughs> several of the stores in the New Hartford Shopping Center, even though they're still open, have boarded up fronts. You know, a, a store that sells bric-a-brac, basically. Um, <laughs> a, a martial arts center was boarded up. I mean, it was there was probably about four vendors, um, four storekeepers who had decided to do this. Um, and the rest of them, the rest of them didn't, but it's, they, they're, they boarded up their storefronts. They, they boarded up all their, their glass, their windows, um, their doors, and the stores are still open. So you can still come in there, but it's, (laughs) but they are like, (laughs) they've been featured on television with like, um, talking about how out of an abundance of caution, you know, because they've put 42 years into their, their store or whatever, and that they want to, they want to protect it. And it's like, there is just, I, it's hard for me to explain exactly what the dynamic is here, but there is just no chance that this would happen, that people would come marauding through the town of New Hartford. Um, looking looking for revenge uh, for something that the Utica Police Department um, was largely responsible for. Um, if there was any suggestion of that or if there was any threat of that, there would be a cordon of police <laughs> that, you know, thicker than your ass. And it would be, it would just be, you know, it would be impossible that this would happen. And yet, the boards went up. So this is, I'm going to, I'll put a link to one of the stories on the local media uh, so that you can see what I'm talking about. It's it's just, there's something just like deeply sickening about this. Um, and as somebody who spent a good deal of my uh, youth in the town of New Hartford, um, I I sort of know where it's coming from. It's a little bit different now than it was then. It's more diverse now than it was then. Uh, but this is really, I found this very disturbing that people would overreact to this point. I just, it, it just makes you think, what the hell is the matter with people? That they would do this. That they would, you know, jump to this conclusion and it's part of it is just people having their heads in the internet too much the rumor 
<sighs> What's how's that song go? Oh, when the rumor comes to your town. <laughs> it, it's just unbelievable. Anyway, I just wanted to touch base on that. I'll, I'll put a link to uh, one of the stories just for your reference so you know what I'm talking about. Okay. So what did I want to talk about today? Well, not so much that. A little bit on that on that side. Um, I just wanted to say a few things about um, the Biden campaign and some of some recent developments with them that are uh, I consider to be worrying. Others have spoken to this um, much better than I have. I'm glad to point this out. I mean, if you listen to probably Michael Moore's podcast, Rumble, you'll know what I'm talking about. Apparently, last week or a little bit more than a week ago, um, and I missed this at the time. I I saw it later on Twitter and a few other uh, postings elsewhere, and then I heard... uh, Michael Moore's podcast, uh, apparently Rick Snyder, the former governor of Michigan, um, did an op-ed in which he endorsed Joe Biden. Now, (laughs) this is something that makes never-Trump Republicans really happy. I think I saw Bill Kristol tweeting approvingly about this. Um, Bill Kristol is a perfect reverse barometer um, it seems like any time he thinks something's a good idea, it's probably a terrible idea. But in any case, yes, it did make people like him happy. And apparently it made the Biden campaign happy because they put out a press release saying how proud they were that, you know, um, and this isn't a direct quote, but, you know, they were obviously very happy that they had a prominent Republican endorsing them someone who had been governor of Michigan. Of course, they're overlooking the tiny little fact that Rick Snyder was not only responsible for placing pretty much the entire black population of Michigan in cities like Detroit and Flint and elsewhere under emergency management, in other words, taking away their rights to self-government and putting an emergency manager in charge of those municipalities um, to make basically, you know, undemocratic decisions about what to do (laughs) in, in their, in their municipality, Um, completely unaccountable leadership. Uh, Not only did he do that, but they uh, took it into their heads to change the water supply in Flint, Michigan from um, what had it had been for many years, switching it over to the Flint River, which um, hadn't been used as a water supply for, for many years because it's badly polluted and it's corrosive. Um, and that, um, if people perhaps recall this, uh, that caused a major lead poisoning crisis in the city of Flint uh, some six years ago. And, uh, you know, part of that had to do with just the corrosiveness of the water. They hadn't, they hadn't bothered to treat it properly. Um, not sure that that would have made a difference entirely, but they didn't even like think about that. They just switched it 
arbitrarily um that corroded the the pipes um the, the fittings and the lead levels in the water went right through the roof um there uh there was an, a a semi immediate response from from activists and eventually you know the EPA sort of came around to to doing something about this but mostly it's still the way it was before they've replaced some lines uh, but the Snyder administration um, just was completely hands-off about this and the reason why they did this was to save money um, so an entire generation of young people in Flint have been poisoned by this decision. Uh, lead poisoning is a very serious matter. I'm not going to go into detail about it. Look it up. It's well documented. Um, the problems that it causes, especially in young people, inhibition to proper growth. It's, it stunts development of all kinds. Um, it has cognitive implications. It is a disaster. And Rick Snyder is responsible for this. And he was never held accountable. And he is not beloved in these communities. And these are the communities that Joe Biden needs on board voting for him in the fall if he has any prayer of carrying Michigan. So why are they so happy to get the endorsement of Rick Snyder, the guy who poisoned these kids? The, the fallout of which is they're still being felt and will be felt for decades to come. Why are they so happy to get his endorsement? Do they understand the implications of this? And this is just an example of, of their attitude generally because they, I mean, mind you, they're already at a disadvantage. The Democrats are already at a disadvantage in places like Flint because uh, anyone who remembers uh, will recall that uh, Obama came there just after the uh, Flint water crisis became a national story. Obama went over there and, and drank a glass of water to demonstrate how safe the water was. I mean, <laughs> they, uh, they have no credibility on this. Hillary Clinton had very little cre credibility on this either. The Obama people had zero credibility on this. Uh, they were no help. Um, and the, the Trump people are just as bad right? And they've added COVID to the mix, obviously, through their own incompetence. But <laughs> if you're expecting people in Flint to march out to the polls this fall, and if you're expecting them to support your candidate um, and you know, encourage other people to support your candidate, which is what you're going to need if you're going to win Michigan this time. I mean, they lost Michigan last time. If Joe Biden... Uh, has any hope of carrying Michigan this time. He's going to need people like the activists in Flint to encourage their neighbors, even though their kids have been poisoned by, by Rick Snyder and his austerity driven decision-making uh, to support a candidate 
that's only too happy to receive the endorsement of Rick Snyder. Um, <laughs> honestly, you are going to need those people on board, right? And you just made it a lot harder. I mean, you'd probably have a lot better luck carrying these constituencies in places like Michigan uh, if you'd stop urinating on them at every chance. It's like they act like there's no place to go, right? The Institutional Democratic Party, you know, looks at the left and they look at minorities and they're kind of like, well, who else are you going to vote for? Huh? You're going to vote for Trump? Let's go vote for Trump. Right? Uh, There is a third way. You know, it's either third party or sit on your hands. And that's what people did last time. Mostly sit on your hands. But this speaks to this uh, endorsement and the embrace of the endorsement speaks to um, a deeper problem with the Institutional Democratic Party in general and the Biden campaign in particular is that they are far more interested in attracting as a constituency disaffected Republicans than they are in bringing their core base along, bringing the broader Democratic coalition along, which includes a lot of people who don't really strongly identify as Democrats, but are people, you know, on the bottom end of the of the economic ladder um, and people of color and, you know, living in in uh, distressed communities like Flint. You need these people. Attention Biden campaign. You need these people. Hillary didn't have them. That's why she's not president right now. Right? Uh, they couldn't bring themselves to vote for her because she hasn't been, she and her husband weren't very much of a help. Obama wasn't a huge help either <laughs> to these people. I recommend you, um, anyone who's interested, listen to um, Michael Moore's uh, episode on this. It was a few episodes back. If you go to the Rumble site and just scroll back a few episodes, you'll see what I'm talking about. He talked to an activist in Flint. And, you know, these people are not happy. Right? And this is a sort of pattern that is going to repeat itself um, not only in Michigan, but in Wisconsin, in you know Pennsylvania, in places like Nevada, where it's very close. Um, this is a huge problem, particularly for people who want to get rid of Trump, but are not. That's not their only concern, right? I mean, yes, we all want to get rid of Trump, right? But we don't want to just replace him with some, you know, bland retread of what we had before, which was a failed model, frankly. Um, what we want is a more responsive governance. That's what we want. And uh, again, I'm, I'm in the habit of sort of visiting the joebiden.com website and checking once in a while to see if they have anything new up there. Uh, there, There is, <laughs> in Joe's vision, there is quite a lot of uh, stuff 
right? But again, I don't see I don't see a lot still about foreign policy and much of what's up here about social justice um I'm looking for how they word this. Hold on. It's lift every voice the Biden plan for black America. And it's a kind of a long long page that has general principles and specific policy recommendations. A lot of them have to do with tax credits, um, tax incentives for entrepreneurship. Um, He does mention the housing um, thing that Trump is always railing about. Drive additional capital into low-income housing communities to spur the development of low-income housing. (laughs) I'm not sure that that's the same thing that uh, they were talking about before. Uh, Half of this stuff is revisiting ground that they covered in the Obama administration. I'm not saying that that's a terrible thing. I'm just saying that that's not sufficient. I think you need to go a little bit beyond that. And there are places in there where it seems like they're trying to do that, but... (laughs) You can post as many policy papers as you like. And again, this is still, the Biden campaign is still practically silent on foreign policy. There's very little up here um, other than a plan for Central America and some stuff on the um, on the climate accord. Um, that's it. The rest of it is domestic policy. But you can post as many, you know, long pages as you like on social justice and on what you're going to do about housing and on what you're going to do about unemployment and about what you're going to do on this and that and what you're going to do about about border policy, immigration. But if you're going around, you know, welcoming Republicans like Rick Snyder into your camp, you're going to undo all of that. It's one embrace of Rick Snyder is enough to sort of wipe out an entire platform. (laughs) As far as most people are concerned, that's all they need to know, right? That's all they need to know not to care who the hell wins the next election. And we need to make people care if you want to get rid of Trump. So words of the wise. Uh, Biden campaign... You want to win? You better start working on this. Uh, If I were you, I would get out in front of this and uh, mention the fact that, uh, you know, Snyder was no friend to the people of Flint and he should be held accountable and you are going to do everything in your power to make certain that this is made right. You want to have some ideas? You want some ideas as to how to make that happen? Listen to Michael Moore's podcast. (laughs) I'm not advertising for him. I'm just saying I could repeat it here, but you're more likely listening to that than you are listening to this. So uh, my advice to them and to anyone who's speaking to them is try to do something for those people. Tangible for those people. Do better than the Obama administration did because they didn't do nearly enough, and they obfuscated, and they minimized it, 
and it's a huge problem. Lead poisoning is a huge problem in that in that city. Do something about it. And I think that's really the only thing you can do. Um, if if you want to have any hope of, you know, getting people's support. <laughs> this is uh this is just going to be the campaign from hell, right? Uh, and we're going to try to get on the other side of this thing. But the only thing I can say is, look, Trump has been accusing the Biden campaign of being a tool of the left. I think that's a great idea. I think that's a wonderful idea. Let's us on the left make that complaint come true. Let's push this fucker in the right direction. I think we can do it. We got to hold their feet to the fire. Let's make Biden a tool of the left. That sounds great to me. And to the extent that that's possible, let's do it. Thanks for the tip, Trump. Sounds like a great idea. Oh, and by the way, you can tell your friends in the New Hartford Shopping Center they can take down the boards. They don't have to be afraid anymore. <laughs> Dear me. Some of the things I saw posted on Facebook about this was <laughs> we're pretty paranoid. I mean, people were talking about how there are like 40 people booked into the Hotel Utica. <laughs> Well, that's good news for the Hotel Utica. I'm not sure what that means for the rest of us. Um, it's just this notion of, it's like their heads are filled with these pictures that Trump paints of uniformed Antifa members crowding into planes, you know, in dark uniforms and heading to different parts of the country to cause mayhem. It's Nothing could be farther from the truth. And right under their noses, and I'll I'll include a link to this as well, right under their noses, um, right-wing thugs are organizing, even in this remote area, we're seeing evidence of, of right-wing sort of violent thugs uh, organizing, um, demonstrating, and threatening people. And they don't say anything about that. I would I would suggest to Trump that his uh, black-clad thugs on these planes that he's making up are more likely people who support him who are flowing into places like Louisville, Kentucky, where they basically took over the streets. An army of thugs in black uniforms and helmets, face masks, carrying automatic weapons. Imagine if those were BLM protesters carrying AR-15s. How long would that last? These white people come down there in their sort of quasi-military garb, brandishing automatic weapons, and they do nothing to stop these people. It's outrageous. Uh, and then here, you know, somebody posts some bogus thing on Craigslist and people start boarding up, boarding up the shops, you know, five miles away. (laughs) 
unbelievable people. Anyway, that's all I have to say about this. I'd like to hear what you have to say. Once again, if you'd like to leave a one-minute voicemail, go to anchor.fm slash strange sound and do so. I would be happy to hear from you. Or you could go to our Twitter feed at um, at strange sound pod. You can also go to anchor.fm slash strange sound and uh, find links to our Facebook page or YouTube channel, which is really just a replay of these episodes right now. Um, and leave comments wherever you like. Um, there's a lot of different ways to get in touch with me. Love to hear from you. This has been Strange Sound, episode 28. Stranger than usual, I'd say. And uh, glad to talk to you. Look forward to the next time. Take care out there. Be safe. Be well.